0: Well as always seems to be the case when I get done on a Sunday or on a Wednesday I remember things that I didn't go over. So There were some things that I didn't quite go over and then on meditating as I was meditating on the the thing last last week, the word of knowledge that's something else I wanted to share with you on that as well. But we're going to be Bouncing around to a number of scriptures, we're going to be looking at the word of wisdom and how the word of wisdom can be used to better my life and the lives of those that are around me. We're going to look at how this was used both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to see, as with all the gifts, how your faith grows with this. As your faith grows, you're going to move deeper in the manifestation of this gift. And here's a question for you. How spiritual do I have to be before I can move in this gift? That answer might just surprise you a little bit. And what kind of manifestations can I expect today? How do we expect the gift of the word of wisdom to manifest today and benefit people today? So among those examples we're going to look at, we're going to check out one here in Genesis chapter 9, when Noah, how many remember the story when Noah got drunk? Anybody not know the story when Noah got drunk? Drunk. All right, everybody knows that story. Well, somebody asked me a question about that, and I wanted uh, some time to, to go away and meditate on it, and then as I was doing that, I says, oh, you know what, this is going to fit right in with the word of wisdom that we have. So we're going to take a look at that here today. And if you remember this, he woke up from being drunk and knew that his younger son had come in on him when he was naked, and so he pronounced a... Uh, curse upon Canaan, a lot of unknown things or, or things have been thrown in about this, uh, there are doctrines that people believe that are going on now based on this story that are false and have absolutely no basis in any truth at all, so we're going to take a look at some of those and see why it is that Ham bore the penalty for this, we'll take uh, take a look at that, anyway, that's going to be later on here, not right here at the beginning, when we look at the word of knowledge, we want to relook at the word of knowledge. I did not read a passage to you that I had uh, wanted to. And that was in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 25. This is speaking about Elisha. And so she departed. This is speaking of the woman that had ministered to him and that he told was going to have a baby. And she did. And then that son died. And so we're picking up here at this, at this point. You want to read the rest of that and you can go over to 2 Kings chapter 4. But here in tw- 25, and so she departed and went to the man of God on Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, is it well, or it is well. Now, if you're asking, is it well with you? Is it well with the child? Is it well with your husband? How many know that means you don't know what's going on? Now, when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. You know, get away from the man of God. (laughs) He's there to protect. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me. And has not told me. It seems that Elisha. Operated so much. In the gift of the word of knowledge. That he is surprised. When he doesn't. Now you say well he's a prophet. He's not the only one. That operated in this. The word of knowledge. Should be so alive in the church. That we should be surprised. When things happen and we don't know. Now, I was meditating on this this way and this helped me out. Maybe it helps you out as well. But you know the devil is always counterfeiting things. One of the devil's counterfeits for the word of knowledge, you can write this down if you want to. I wrote it down. (laughs) But one of the devil's counterfeits for the word of knowledge is presumption. Presumption of people presumption of events and presumption of actions. How many times have you heard people say, I know why they did that. I know why they don't like me. How many people have seen somebody from across the room and said, oh, they're thinking nasty thoughts of me. Why are they ignoring me? presumption is one of the counterfeits that the devil uses for this gift. Because some people actually think that the thing they presume is true. That it's even God who showed it to them. You've got to be careful of presumption. The devil wants to get a counterfeit out there so that you're not going after what is good. And then if you have gone after presumption and it's got you in trouble, when the word of knowledge comes, you're simply... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go on that. that. That's just me presuming something. And so we take it right on out. So I wanted to make sure we threw those things in in there as we get on into the word of wisdom. Brother Kenneth Hagin says this about the word of wisdom. He says, The word of wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose in the mind and will of God. That's actually comes from one of his books. The Word of Wisdom is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose in the mind and will of God. If you're trying to write that down, don't bother with it. Just go up on, on uh, Internet search and say, Kenneth Hagin, and put in the Word of Wisdom, and it'll come right up for you. And you don't have to write anything down at all. So that's really easy for you to find. I gave you this definition. The Word of Wisdom is the instantaneous supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit to a saint of the mind, will, and purpose of God regarding future events that will or have the potential to come to pass. I wrote that in there because you can't look that one up on Google. (laughs) (laughs) The word of wisdom is the instantaneous supernatural revelation. When the word of wisdom comes to you, it doesn't come over a period of time. It comes instantly. When the word of knowledge comes to you, it doesn't come over a period of time, it comes to you instantly. Instantly you know these things. How does presumption come to you? Instantly, doesn't it? Yeah. Devil's devil's mimicking the things of God. It comes by the Holy Spirit to the saint of the mind, will, and purpose of God. Regarding future events. Word of knowledge is past events. This is future. These are events that will. Or have the potential to come come to pass. A word of knowledge. Does not mean what is said will definitely come to pass. There are times it is potential. And there's other times that there is certainty. If you look at the book of Daniel. And the things he is told about things that are coming. It is always this will come about. It's not potential. He is telling you this is how it's going to unfold. When John wrote the book of Revelation, this is how this is going to unfold. Other people said things. This is how this is coming about. This is what is coming. There are other times this is what can happen. Remember the prophet came to Hezekiah? Get your house in order. You're going to die. That's a word of wisdom. That's about something that is future. He repented or did something. He prayed to God. We assume he repented. I, I guess we should say it that way. And before the prophet got out of the palace, he was called back to go back and tell him I've given him 15 more years. So see, that was something that was on the way, but it was averted for 15 years because of an action that he did. So that's the word of Wisdom. It's not a gift of wisdom. There are some people out there trying to teach on this that this is the wisdom of God given to certain people. Certain people flow in the wisdom of God. This is not what this is. This is a supernatural, instantaneous understanding, wisdom of something that is future. Has not happened yet. But it's on the way to happening. These are the examples we have. We have plenty of examples and, you know, it, it's my, my tendency is to just want to take something and just stay with it. I could stay with the Word of Knowledge for another two weeks. Easy. I wouldn't have to do much. I could prepare, prepare right now to go for another two weeks on the Word of Knowledge. I could go another three weeks on the Word of Wisdom. Be real easy to do. And I love doing it. But I, I scaled it down. And so I left off a lot of, the uh, a lot of aspects of this. But these gifts are very, Uh, they're very much a part of the Old and the New Testaments. You will see these gifts in operation. So we don't have to wonder what they are because they're there. They're there for us to see. I have to actually pervert Scripture to get the idea that the word of knowledge is actual knowledge coming to God, from God to me. I have to pervert Scripture to think that the word of wisdom is God's wisdom being poured out into me. That's not it. We just go through the Word of God and we find it. That's why I always like to give you examples of how it's being demonstrated. Now, just like with the Word of Knowledge, this is as He wills. It's not sorcery. You don't call upon this. Now, the purpose of this Word is to give those who believe it understanding and wisdom on how to deal with or change what is coming for the benefit of believers or to call unbelievers to Repent. That's what it will accomplish. I think I wrote that whole thing. Did I write that whole thing down in there for you? Some of these th- things I'm reading off to you, I actually had to cut them short because there just wasn't a whole lot of room. And we get to the end. Uh, I had so much, I had to cut out. I just tried to give you as much room as I can for you to write. So hopefully you got some things to write with. But the purpose of this word is to give those who believe it, you have to believe the word of wisdom to get the benefit of it. Those who believe it, understanding and wisdom on how to deal with or change what is coming. He's telling you this is coming this is what you can do. Sometimes you can do something to change it. Most of the end times prophecies, there's nothing we can do to change it. This is what's coming. God told us this is what's coming. Just get ready for it. Understanding and wisdom what how to deal with or change what is coming for the benefit of believers or to call unbelievers to repent. Now it will reveal the plans of God and those of our enemies, both spiritual And natural. This will reveal the plans of God. And those of the enemy. When the word of wisdom comes. It will reveal the plan of God. God says this is what I have planned out. But he will also say this is what the enemy has planned. And we have to know the difference between the two. He will also reveal the plans of enemies. That are spiritual. And those that are natural. Other people have plans against you and God can give you a word of wisdom about what's coming. It speaks to the cause and or effect of natural, human, celestial or even supernatural events. You look at the book of Revelation and there's a whole lot of celestial uh, things going on in, in there. And uh, it, it's showing you what the cause of these things This speaks to the cause and or effect of natural, human, celestial, or even supernatural events. It helps us avoid or prepare for these events. It helps us, get this down, it helps us avoid or prepare for these events. But it does not help us do both. It will do one or the other. When God gives you a word... The word of wisdom is there to help you avoid it or, or not end, or help you prepare for it. The basis of that is not whether it is good or bad. Sometimes we want to think about this. Well, I know my God and my God wants good things for me. So if what is in the Word of Wisdom is bad, God is telling me how to avoid it. If what is in the Word of Wisdom is good, God is telling me how to get in it and how to enjoy it. That is not the case. There are times when the Word of Wisdom was given for something bad that was coming, not to avoid it, but to prepare for it. There was no avoiding it. It was coming. And he gave you the word of wisdom to prepare for it. If you take that word of wisdom in such a way as to avoid it, you will not do the preparation. You will not get what you're supposed to from the word of wisdom. So we have to understand what that is. And we're going to look at some of the examples here in Scripture and you'll see that particular truth. But I just want you to get this about the word of wisdom. It's either going to teach you how to avoid it or prepare for those things that are coming. It reveals causes that can be natural, supernatural, or get this one, judgmental. The word of wisdom can be natural, supernatural, or judgmental. I'll write this story down for you so I can use this one. You remember the remember the book of Jonah? He was sent to tell the people of Nineveh what? destruction is coming you will be judged but they repented and the judgment was avoided it was able to 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 be avoided but that was not done from anything that was a uh, that was good or evil it was done because of a judgment that was coming from god so that's why we put it in there this way reveals causes that can be natural supernatural or judgmental God is judging them. The key distinction here, we put a key distinction in, mostly I'm just following what we did for the word of knowledge and just changed it over for the word of wisdom. These events have not occurred yet. They are future, but on the way for purposes of good, evil, or judgment. They are on the way for these purposes. It's good for you to know, are they on the way for purposes of good? Are they on the way for purposes of evil? Or are they on the way for purposes of judgment? It will help you know what you're supposed to do. This is very much a part of the prophet's ministry, but also believers will be used by God in this. Again, the same thing with the word of knowledge. Don't make it mystic. People in the word of God didn't do this. It was very natural to them. All right, let's get into here. Genesis. We're going to save Genesis chapter 9 for the end because we're going to spend a lot of time there. That's why I just wanted to put that there at the end. But here we'll give you some examples of this being in use. When Moses showed up at the burning bush... That is a word of wisdom. It's about things that are future. God called him and said, I am going to deliver my people from Egypt. And I'm going to use you to do it. Of course, Moses tried to talk him out of it. Use somebody else. God says, no, I'm using you. All right, well, how am I going to do this? And so then God gave him how he was to do this. He gave them the miracle of the serpent. He gave them the miracle of the leprosy. He then told them some other things that were going to go on. He didn't have the whole layout, but he had the beginning of it. He got more of the layout as he, as he went along. Also, in the wilderness, you are going to see the word of wisdom used extensively. The word of wisdom was used to get across the Red Sea. That is a word of wisdom. God said, this is what you are to do. Stretch out your rod over the Red Sea. When you stretch out your rod over the Red Sea, the waters will part. This hadn't happened yet. In fact, that it had never happened before. The waters will part. Then you will walk along on the other side. God had told them, the Egyptians that are following you, you will see them no more. That was future. That's a word of wisdom. Now, they had some things to do on this, but it wasn't a whole lot on their part. All they had to do was walk. They had to have faith to walk through the Red Sea with these walls of water on either side. They they did that and God did the rest of it. When they get across the Red Sea and they get on the other side, they run out of water. So what does God do? He gave them a word of wisdom of how to get water. Go up to the rock and strike the rock. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Who in the world gets water out of striking the rock? But you see, it was a word of wisdom. God spoke it. Moses heard it. God, he spoke it out. And he op- operated and did what was there. Now, that's not inevitable. It was not inevitable that the water was going to come from the rock. Someone had to do something. And when that someone did what they were supposed to do, the water came from the rock. Otherwise, that rock would have stayed dry. They came across some water that was bitter. And so they sought after God and God gave them a word of wisdom as to how to deal with it. He didn't tell them how to deal with all kinds of bitter water. He told them how to deal with the bitter water that was in front of them. This is what you shall do. And the water was was no longer bitter. It was able to be, be used. When they got to a battle, God told them how to win the battle. As long as Moses keeps his hands in the air, then you will win the battle. And so he was doing that for as long as he could, but it, you know, it's, it's tough to hold your arms up there for a long time. And so then, uh, Aaron and, and, uh, uh, her came on over, and one's on one side and one's on the other. And they're holding up his arms. But see, that was a word of wisdom. In order to, to get that done. How to win that battle. He, God gave him a word of wisdom. How to deal with rebellion. When we had Korah. He told him how to deal with that. There were other ones that came up and rebelled. He told him how to deal with that. Remember the one? Get away from the tents. <laughs> if they die a normal death. That's future. This it hadn't happened yet. If they die a normal death. When you had the people out there burning the incense. And fire came down. You had the people that rebelled. And the serpents were dispersed into the camp. And Moses received a word of wisdom on how to deal with the people that were being bitten and were dying from the snake bites. And he said, take one of the snakes and wrap it around a pole. Believe that, uh, uh, hold that up in front of people, people had to look. All they had to do was look on it and they would be, they would be healed. But they had to look on it. So the word of wisdom was, here is this pole with the serpent on it. Look on it and you'll be healed. Now there's the word of wisdom. If you don't obey it, if you don't have faith in it, it won't work for you. Now I can keep going with just that, but you can get an idea how how often the word of wisdom is used in the wilderness. It's used quite a bit. Joshua crossing the Jordan. How did they know how to get across the Jordan. Lord spoke a word of wisdom to them. This is what you're gonna do. It wasn't the same thing as crossing the Red Sea. The priests had to get all ready, get the Ark of God all ready, and they had to step into the Jordan before it had ever split apart. It was different. But they had the word of wisdom on what to do. When they get to the, to Jericho, God gave them a word of wisdom. This is how you'll, you'll do it. It's a pretty well known word of wisdom, right? How are they supposed to get to become victorious in the battle of Jericho? March around the city? One time each day for six days. Seventh day you're supposed to march around the city? Seven times. Ai. They lost that battle, but when they went back into it again, God gave them a word of wisdom. This is how you're going to go after them. Told them how to fight that battle. The five kings came against them. God told them what to do in that battle. Many times in battles, he gave them the battle plan, told them what to do. Not always, but many times that was. That's the word of wisdom. Joseph, boy, I'd love to spend time. If I'm going to spend time on any of these stories, I would love to spend time on this one. But Joseph received a dream. A dream that was when his, his brothers all, or that was interpreted to mean his brothers were all coming and bowing down to him. And then the second dream, the sun and moon joined in. And so that was the mom and papa. They were going to come and they were going to bow down to him. And and that one got his his father a little upset. What, are we? your mom and I are going to come bow, bow down to you too? Well, they did. But that was the dream. That was the dream. That was a word of wisdom. It was something that was going to happen. It was coming. What it was a dream for, and we spent time on this before, because most people think they know what the, the dream was for. The dream was for to tell him he was going to be a ruler. That's not what the purpose of the dream was. Purpose of the dream was to prepare him for what would happen when his brothers came and bowed down and then the second time when not only his brothers came but his mom and father came. When that occurs, this is what's going to happen. And so he had to spend time. All right, God, you told me this is coming. You told me this is happening. Give me the plan. He got the plan. Now, you remember the story of Joseph. This is why I love to spend time on this. But you remember the story of Joseph that he's in there. He's executing the plan that God gave him and he has to keep removing himself because he's in tears. Here's his brothers. He can't reveal himself to them because God gave him a plan. No, you need to do this because we need to fix the brothers. This is our opportunity to fix the brothers. and He gave him a plan how to fix the brothers. And then when it was all done and the brothers were fixed and they showed themselves, no, we will give our life for the life of this favored child, Benjamin. But don't kill him. And Joseph said, all right, now from here on out, you guys never have to wonder if you actually would do the right thing because right here you did it. And they were restored. But that was God's plan to bring them back. So later on, he gets the, the dreams of the two people that are in prison with him and he gives them the interpretation. He didn't get the dream. He got the interpretation. But the interpretation is a word of wisdom of what will be coming about. And one was going to die, and the other one was going to be restored. And that's exactly how it played out. So then later on, when Pharaoh has the dream, the one who was restored remembered, hey, I remember this guy in prison, and uh, he interpreted my dream, probably going to do yours too. And so we had the dream, very famous dream, that ended up being, the interpretation was seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine but the seven years of famine are going to be so great you would forget the seven years of plenty. Now that word of wisdom is given. You'll have a lot of reactions to that today. you have some churches that say we need to bind this thing. We need to stop this thing from coming. I take authority over famine. I take authority and start going after this thing and we're going. To, we're not preparing. We're coming after it and that would be wrong. They would not get the benefit of what the word of wisdom was. The word of wisdom was, take some of, some of this extra, well actually that's, that was his interpretation of it. He heard what, what God had said. And so he just said, well we need to prepare for this. This is what's coming. And so his idea for preparation was if we do it in such and such a way, we'll be able to, to make it through. And Pharaoh said, well, we don't have anybody with as much wisdom as you've got. Let's uh, have you do it. And so he did it. And they came up with a plan and it worked and the world was preserved, including his family. They were preserved in this famine. Did God send the famine? No. The enemy sent the famine. He's trying to get rid of the seed. Which right now is going to come through Israel. So he's got to wipe them out. We've got to find a way to wipe them out. So he got this whole thing going on with the famine. And God says, I know your plans. We're going to just reveal it to the people out there. Here in uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 32, we are going to dig into this one. Second Kings 6.32 But Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man ahead of him but before the messenger came to him he said to the elders he's sitting around the house with the elders Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? That's the word of knowledge going on him right there. This is how much Elisha walked in it. He's sitting there just just talking with some people, the elders of the city, and God speaks to him a word. This is how unmystical he is. He is having a regular conversation with the people in the house, and God speaks a word to him, giving him supernatural knowledge of what is about to take place. Who sent them? When they're coming? He knows when they're coming before they even get to the door. And he didn't have that fancy camera you put on your doorbell. He didn't have that. But his spirit told him, here they come. And so he just announced it before they got there. That's how confident he is in hearing this word. That's not a word of wisdom. That's a word of knowledge. It had already gone on. They were already sent. And God told him about it. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Next chapter, verse one. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two say's of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now, this is the word of wisdom in operation here in this part. Hear the word of the Lord. I don't know when he got this. He may have gotten it the same time he got the word of knowledge. He may have gotten it the day before or sometime before. And But whatever it was, he had this word of knowledge already. He already received the word of knowledge before the messengers were dispatched and before the messengers had arrived. He has the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. He knows what is coming. But he does not speak a word of it until somebody puts a demand on him. When they come and they ask him this question, that's when they—that's when he says, it, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two say's of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now if this just happened, would people attribute this to God? Probably not. they tell me, well, our good fortune was that uh, this happened and, and these things went on about. And wow, what a what a great thing this was. But now God is announcing it ahead of time. This is why the word of, of wisdom comes. God wants to announce his plans ahead of time so people know it's the hand of God and not just the hand of whatever it was that came about and made this thing happen. This is not just the hand of coincidence that made this this happen. This is not just the hand of good fortune that made this happen. This is the hand of God. He brought this thing this thing about. Tomorrow, about this time, he's telling them when. A say of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, a long time ago when we covered this, we were looking at this and if you have this big supply just over there in the way, why in the world are you going to buy anything? Just go get it. Just go over there and get it. But you know there are going to be some people who don't want to make the trip. And so they're going to say, look, if you'll go and get this for me, I'll give you this. Oh, all right. (laughs) So they going over and they get some of the stuff for them. So that's why it's being sold for such, because they're coming back with this flower. And they say, all right, I got some for you. All right, here's what I told you I'd give you. And it's not much compared to what it was. But that's why people are selling it instead of just going over there and getting it. Now, later on, it's probably going to trickle out. You're going to have this big supply. And uh, somehow some people are going to have more of it. And then they're going to be selling it too. But he's telling them this ahead of time. It was so outlandish that the one officer spoke what other people were probably thinking. There's That's not going to happen. Nuh-uh. No. Nope. Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And so he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. If you are going to doubt the word of wisdom that God Speaks. Do not open your mouth. Don't open your mouth. Keep it shut. If you aren't sure if what is spoken is the word of wisdom. Don't speak against it. Just keep your mouth shut. There's a whole lot of other people in this story who didn't believe it either. But they stayed silent. And didn't say nothing. This guy spoke up. He decided I'm going to talk about this. That can't happen. That's not going to be. And, uh, well, okay, you're going to hear about it, but you won't see it because he got trampled at the gate. Nobody else got trampled. Just him. In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. David and the prophets spoke about Messiah. That's a word of wisdom. They were given little glimpses of things that would happen. The, the Masonic prophecies we have, one time we hear... There's, he's gonna be born in a manger. Another time we hear he's gonna be born in Bethlehem. Another time we hear ab- about uh, different aspects of what's gonna, what's gonna happen along the way. But we're just getting little pieces here and there. It's a word of, of wisdom. Word of wisdom. Not the whole thing. Just a, just a little bit. And we take all those messianic prophecies that are all in the Old Testament and we piece them together and we see what was going on. But that's a word of wisdom. And David would operate in that. And he would speak things out. Whether he even knew what he was speaking, we don't know. In the book of Daniel, it's hard to well, I'll give you a chapter on this one. Because that uh, whole book is, is just loaded with the word of wisdom. He received words concerning what would take place in the future. So that we wouldn't be surprised by any of it. Because if you see this kind of calamity going on, people could say, God, has. he doesn't care about us. God has lost interest in humanity. God is trying to wipe us out. And so he gave us all these words to let us know, this is part of the plan. This is how it's going to unfold. Don't you be be entertaining any kind of thing that God's not here. God's not around. God is around. And he's telling you way ahead of time. Thousands of years ahead of time. What is going to happen? And we can study it. And we can learn. In Genesis chapter 6 verse 13... And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth, with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch, and this is how you shall make it. And the rest of the word is, he's telling them what to do, how to prepare this thing, how to get it going. But this is a word of wisdom. God is saying, all flesh, it's it's not good. The earth is filled with violence throughout them. He says, I will destroy them. So make yourself an ark. Get yourself ready. The destruction is coming. Now get yourself an ark so that you can preserve you and your family and mankind can be preserved because you and your generations are still pure. Mostly this is against the uh, infiltration of the wrong kind of blood that the enemy tried to, to bring in and he was, uh, he was working that out. But this word was for preparation. This is not going to be avoided. There's no repentance that will happen that will cause this thing to not come. This is coming. And the event was 100 years away. A word of wisdom that was going to be 100 years away. Get ready for it. And it seems like they just, they just made it. Doesn't it seem that way to you? (laughs) When you read the account? They got it done. Then the animals start coming. As the animals are all boarded on, then uh, they shut the door, and here comes the rain. Cutting it close, right? One hundred years. But going over to Genesis chapter 9, we're going to start at verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. Science, whoever, they can come up with any other theory that they want to. I believe what the Word of God says right here, that from Noah and his three sons, this is how the earth was populated. So all the nations are coming from these three. These three, Noah in particular, but Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are the, these are where the whole earth came from. We may have different races and colors and such things as we talk about today, but they all came from the same place. How did that happen? I don't know I'm not the creator but it's okay we're all related we all go back far enough we're all we're closely tied to each other verse 20 and Noah began to be a farmer now began to be a farmer it would seem that he was something else before but if you're if you're the only people on the earth somebody's got to be a farmer you got to raise some food you got to get some food going. So he was probably something else. I don't know what Noah was before. Some people might say, well, he was a carpenter. He built a, uh, an ark. If he was a carpenter, it took him 100 years to finish that project. <laughs> he's probably not making a very good living. <laughs> That's a long time for a project. Unless, you know, you're just trying to fit it in with all the other ones that you're doing. But, uh, so we don't know what he did. We can assume that, well, he worked with wood. And making other things and then had to use his spare time to make the ark. Uh, that might might well be. But whatever it is, what we do know is that when he came out of the uh, ark, he was taking up something. And it says, and Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. Now, he was not a farmer who only had a vineyard. He was a farmer who also had a vineyard. Because you cannot live on grapes. You have to have other things. If you're gonna grow stuff, you have to have other stuff that you grow. You gotta have some wheat for the bread. You gotta have some, uh, whatever it might be. I guess maybe they even planted vegetables. I don't know. Certainly not Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Maybe some carrots. Some corn. Who knows what it is. But if they're gonna eat it, they gotta grow it. It's either gotta be grown wild, or they have to grow it themselves. So, that's what they, what they have to do. And I'm sure that in the beginning here, more than likely, they're eating more veg- vegetation than meat. Because they didn't bring a whole lot of animals with them and they didn't let those animals multiply. If you're there eating them, they're not going to be able to multiply too much. So more than likely, they had to eat mostly what they grew. That's just a, that's just an assumption on my part, but I imagine, you know, they didn't have enough animals to start, uh, making hamburgers and whatever else they might do. So he began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. And then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. So he he uh, either, more than likely he learned this art, knew this art was there. I don't think he invented wine. I think it was probably invented before. He just didn't make it. Maybe he had enjoyed some uh, but he knew enough about how to, how to do it. And you got a hundred years to prepare to be on the ark. If you like wine, you're going to learn the recipe. <laughs> because you got to be thinking in a hundred years, I'm only going to have what I can do. So I would have learned to do some things. So maybe he was talking to some people. How do I farm? How do I raise these things? How do I, uh, I, I like wine. I'm going to have some wine because you guys won't be here. So can you tell me how to make the wine? I don't know if he stole any equipment on the on the ark, or if he put it into a cave somewhere so he can come on back and get it later. Maybe I don't I don't know about all those things, but somehow he got it so that he could he could make this in the uh, when when things were over. But he uh, he was enjoying the wine just a little bit too much there and got drunk. And understand their wine had less alcohol content than our wine does, so you had to drink a lot. I know when uh, we were down in Oklahoma, uh, during my time there, I don't know what it's like now. I just know when I was there, uh, well, before I got there, they still had prohibition going on long before after the, the country had it. And so you couldn't have alcohol in there for a, for a long time or you couldn't serve it at a restaurant. Now, when I first got there in, uh, I think it was the year was 1981, that's when I first arrived in Tulsa, uh, I had gone out to a restaurant with uh, two of my friends from, that I was still talk with quite a bit, you hear me talk about Tony and Chris, and I had gone out to a restaurant with them, and um, so we were out at this restaurant eating, and he wanted to order a drink. At the time, he was not born again. <laughs> that changed, but at the time, he wasn't born again, and um, he wanted to order some, some um the uh, adult uh, drinks. Or I don't know what you call them, but <laughs> anyway, he was going to order some of these, and so um, th- you're not allowed to do that. You cannot go to a restaurant in 1981, you cannot go to a restaurant in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and order a drink. That's how it was. Uh, so, if you what you had to do was certain restaurants would serve them, but you had to get a card. You had to have a member card, which meant you were checked out as not being an un- undercover anybody, and that if they served you a drink, they wouldn't get in trouble. And so he had a card. <laughs> so he had this card for this restaurant that this restaurant had checked him out and made sure he was okay. I don't know how they did it. I, I never got a card. I didn't need one. I didn't I didn't pursue how you do it. He had one. He whipped it out. I remember him whipping it out. There's one of those memories I still have, maybe however many years ago it was, 40 years ago. I can still remember being at the table and, and ordering that. And they ordered me a, a drink too. You know what I had? I had a, um, uh, they have a name for this. Uh, I, I just don't know what the name of it is. Uh, it's called a strawberry daiquiri without the alcohol. What do they call that? A Shirley Temple? <laughs> <laughs> strawberry daiquiri without all the, uh, no alcohol in it. It's basically, what is it? It's a virgin daiquiri? Alright. So that's what they got for me. This, uh, they wanted me to try it out. And so, and I trusted these people. They, they were not going to try and leave me uh, in the wrong way. <laughs> and so I tried it out. And it's like a dessert drink. It's it just, you know, it, there's nothing. That's just like a dessert drink. Only time I've ever had one of those. I never went out there and ordered another one. But I do remember that. And and we had that. You couldn't order a drink in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So the restaurant I worked at, we did serve, uh, they did serve beer, but they were not allowed to serve a normal type of beer. So it was called, if you've ever heard this phrase before, near beer. <laughs> yeah, they That's all they could serve was near beer. Because the alcohol had to be below a certain percentage. In order for it to be be able to be served, and if you're going to have those, you know, those adult drinks, the alcohol's way over <laughs> what you are allowed to have there. So they had this near beer, and um, that's what they would serve in, in there. And you know, I heard people complain about it, but I don't know what it tasted like because there's no way they were going to get that down my throat. <laughs> Couldn't get it past my nose. Still don't like it. Just the smell of it. Ugh. But anyway, he had um, apparently maybe it had been a while since he had had any any wine. And it takes a while to make it. You can't just go out there and you know make it. You got to grow the vine, and and then get the grapes, and then you got to make the do whatever. I don't know what you got to do. You got to do whatever you got to do to make the 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 wine. And then I know it has to sit in the bottle for a while. I don't know how long it's got to sit in the bottle, but it's not a week, right? It's uh, probably a couple months to a year. And the longer it stays in there, I guess, the better it gets. Six months at least. All right, brother Les knows what he's. No, I appreciate that. I don't I really don't know what it is. Uh, but I know that some people, you know, they have these things, they're twenty, thirty, forty year old wines and they speak highly of them. Uh but anyway he probably didn't have that. So he had some kind of a wine. You're looking at years after the flood. Years after the flood for this to happen. This is not a story that occurs right after the flood. This took a little bit of time. So and there's a reason why we're we're looking at all this different stuff. I want you to see what, what actually happened here. So he gets drunk with with the wine, and um, he let's go over that again. Verse twenty one. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. In other words, he was naked. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw. This is the second time we're seeing the father of Canaan. If I remember him right, I, I didn't uh, look at this recently. But if I remember right, I believe he had four sons, and Canaan is the youngest. I, I think that's what it is. You go through the genealogies, you can figure that out. But I know Canaan is the, the youngest of his sons. So, so Ham, the, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, went backward, and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see the father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done to him. Now, you may ask yourself the question, if he's drunk and passed out, how does he know? I don't know. I, can't, I haven't been able to figure that one out, but I figured out some other things. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, the servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. So you get the theme here. Canaan's gonna be the servant. So cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. Or his brethren, I should say, there, but that's that's plural. There's two, there's plural and there's multiple ones, and he's only got two. And Noah lived. After the flood, 350 years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. Now, as I look this up and find out, you know, why is it? And we're going to look at the, the word. This is a, this is a word of wisdom that he speaks over Ham and Canaan. As well as his other two sons. He spoke a word over them too. This is a prophetic word. This is a word of wisdom that is spoken about the future Of these three sons. Where things are going. How many of you. Would use a guy. Who got drunk. Passed out naked. Then gets up. Finds out what his younger son does. And gets mad at him. And then pronounces this thing. How many of you are blessing him. With a word of word of wisdom. Anybody here. If you were God. You're going to bless Noah. With a word of wisdom. Not too many. Seems like God is in his company. By himself. Here's the problem folks. This word comes about. Now, there's a whole lot of speculation on this thing as to what happened. And people generally try to read into this. I heard one person got me furious. This was decades ago. I don't even know how long ago it was. It may have been 30 or 40 years ago, but I still remember because it got me so angry and so mad that they did this. They injected a whole mess of stuff in here, and they had Ham doing some kind of homosexual act with his father. And that's why this thing came down upon him. Well, you have to read into the passage. If that was, if that actually happened, don't you think God would have included it? I go after, when I study scripture, I always go after it that what's in the scripture is all I need to understand it. That's right there is what I need. I just gotta get into this and, and figure out what's going on. Now this, so this is what I do. I interject myself into the story so that I can live this thing out. I believe that most people feel like this story happens this way. Noah is passed out in his room. And for some reason, Ham comes into the room. Maybe he had a question for his father on some of the things that were going on in the vineyard. <laughs> I don't know. Or the or the farm or wherever it was. And he comes in and there's his father naked. <gasps> oh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Oh, I'm so sorry. And he comes on out to his brothers. And he said, I just walked in on that. And he's naked passed out in the room. And his brothers say, "Oh, we can't have this." And so the two of them get up there, and they they uh, back up, and they they. Go. How many people have kind of feel like that's how the story went? Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, if it happened that way, I don't see why the, we get the response that we did. And I I can't see it acting out this way. So I put myself in the story, and I began to live this thing out. So if I am Ham, and I come to the other two brothers. And I have the attitude that says, oh man, this is terrible. Dad's in the the room, he's naked. And apparently this is a very shameful thing. It is known by all three sons, this is very shameful and this shouldn't go on. So it may not be shameful for you, it may not be a big deal for you, but it is for them. That's all that matters. This is a big deal for them. Most people... They aren't going to go into dad's room, back it up, wear the blanket, and just, did we get it? <laughs> you just kind of drop it in there, and then get it. They're not going to do that. They're just going to walk into the room. Here, throw that on them. <laughs> and that's it. And go out. That's how we're going to handle it. That's not how they handle it, because they view this differently. So you have to view it the way they do. So this is a very shameful thing. If ham comes out of the room with that kind of attitude, in my estimation, When we continue on with the story, we do not have two brothers backing up into the room. We have three. Can you have that attitude of a humble attitude? Man, I just saw that. Oh, I feel so bad. Can you have that attitude and let the other two brothers go in there and fix it? In fact, why did he just try and fix it himself? So here's how I think this thing went down. And if it went down this way, when we get to heaven and God tells you, yep, Steve was right. (laughs) When he tells you that, you're going (laughs) to, this is how I see it coming out. Ham goes in the room, sees his dad and scoffs, man, you drunken old man. And he is just losing respect for his father. And this is something he has been going on for a little while. And he doesn't care that he's seen his father naked. He doesn't care about the shamefulness that's going on there. And he comes out to the brothers. Man, that old man. He's always trying to preach to us. Tell us about this God. He's out there drunk and naked in there. And he's scoffing at him. And the two brothers hear this going on. And they say, oh, no, no, no. We can't have this going on. And so they go to take care of it. But Ham scoffed. But who is the curse on? It's on Canaan. So I began to ponder, why is the curse on Canaan and not Ham? Well, Ham's, I guess, lived a long enough life. The curse has to go somewhere. Have you ever seen in a family that certain sons will be just like their fathers? I mean, exactly like their fathers. They speak like them. They act like them. They react like them. And no one knows this. Canaan is his father. Every bit of disrespect that his father has shown to the things that are going on around is exactly what Canaan has picked up. And he is his father. He may not have been in there in the room. Maybe he was. As far as we know, he wasn't. But he is his father. And he saw this disrespect in what it was doing to Ham, And he pronounces this curse. And he said, it's not only on you, it's also on your son Canaan. This is where it's really going to come about. Because he is carrying on just like you. He's going to carry that disrespect for his elders. He's going to carry that disrespect and not not try and cover up somebody else's shame, but to exploit it and to bring it out. And he said he's going to do exactly that. Now, when you think of the land of Canaan and you hear how God described the land, is that not the kind of people who made up this land? The people had no regard for the honor of others. And God despised this nation because of the idolatry, because of the disregard, because of the things that they had going on. And so this curse came down upon Canaan. But God used a man who was just drunk. But I have a pretty good feeling that Noah saw this even earlier. But now he just was mad enough, he just declared it. Maybe up till now he's hoping, maybe we can turn these guys away from this, but no, No, they're not going away from This is the way they are pursuing. This is the way they are going. And he just announced what was going on. If God would use a man who was just drunk the night before and give him a word of wisdom, how many know there is hope for you? God can use you in the word of wisdom. And I think that's why he was used here. He spoke something that came up to be true. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about this. And, uh, and people have tried to put the slavery that was done on the nations of Africa in regard to this because they put the curse on Ham. The curse is not on Ham. The curse is not on his sons. It is on Canaan. It was emphasized how many times in that scripture? I think three times. The emphasis was it was on Canaan. Not on his other sons. His other sons were exempt from this. Apparently they did not walk in the same kind of manner that his father did. And generally that's how it is. You either have a son who walks exactly like the father did or goes completely in the opposite direction. And I think the other sons said, we are not going to be like dad. We're going to go in another direction. And they went completely opposite. And that curse did not come upon them. And so people have tried to say that this curse is upon the nations that were predominantly black. And that is not the case because Canaan's nation, they were not black. The land of Canaan was not. They may have been more olive skin or, or they may have had, uh, you know, not quite Caucasian. Certainly not as white as me. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they had this going on. That curse is not on the nation of any nation that is made up of black people. Now you think, well, that's the explanation they had for why slavery came on in this this country. No, the reason that slavery came on is because people are bad. People are evil. And before America ever came along, however many hundreds of years ago, there was slavery before that. The Egyptians had the Israelites in slavery. Before that, other people were kept in slavery. The African nations kept each other in slavery. When they would have the different victories. Here in America the Indians would conquer other tribes. And put them into slavery. The Chinese put their own people in slavery. As well as other nations that would go on. The Romans had slaves. And they put nations that they conquered. They would put them into slavery. We have in the word of God. That the, uh, the Syrian who came down with the leprosy. How did he find out about Elisha? From the slave girl who was an Israeli. She was taken captive and made a slave. Slavery has gone on for about as long as we've had people on the earth. And it was well before this curse came on, because if it did not happen before the flood, how can you announce something that's never happened before? How can, how can I understand it? I mean, God can say it's coming, but how can I understand it? And they seem to have a complete grasp of what this is, which meant they were people Who were enslaving people before the flood. And I can think of some characters in the Old Testament before the flood that would be great candidates for doing such. I mean, when you had the Tower of Babel, and nations came out of there, that that was, that was, uh, you know, afterwards. But if you're gonna build things of that nature, you're gonna probably have slaves. We don't wanna do all the hard work, let's go find other people and force them to do it. So that probably happened before the flood as is, is well. So don't let people teach you about that. Don't let them tell you that. Because you have to interject an awful lot into scripture and you would be wrong to do so. But anyway, I just want to help you out with that. This is a word of wisdom that he was given concerning his three sons. And he spoke it out here and it did come about. But let's go on here because that's not the only thing we wanted to focus on. But I knew in answering that question, it would be a lot easier to do it here on on Sunday than it would be to to try and do anything else. Now, Joseph's dreams in the New Testament. This is uh, Jesus' earthly father. They were for our avoidance. He gave them the dream. People are coming after Jesus. And so avoid that. Go. And then he had the dream. All right, now you can go back. This was to avoid the problems that were there. Sometimes God will give you a word of wisdom to avoid things. Other times he tells you how to prepare for them. you got to know what it is. Jesus had, a, had words about his death, burial, and resurrection. It was to prepare him and those that were close to him for what was going on. The disciples wanted to avoid the event. Remember Peter pulls them aside? You shouldn't be talking like this, Jesus. Get thee behind me. The disciples, they wanted to avoid the event from curry. They didn't want it to, to happen. So they were not preparing Jesus took them in the garden and said, pray that you will not enter into temptation. He's trying to get them to prepare. They didn't prepare. They had the word. They didn't believe it. They didn't act on it. God revealed to Ananias his purpose for Paul's life in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. We already read over that one, but he told him, this is what Paul is going to be doing. He is going to be before kings and queens and leaders, and he's going to suffer many things for my name's sake. He told him that, told Ananias that, but Ananias didn't come in and tell Paul. That wasn't what he was supposed to be, be there for. Peter has a vision in Acts chapter 10. Let's read that one verse 9. The next day as they went on their journey, this is the people that Cornelius dispatched. They drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending on him at, and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Then he summoned to Caesarea. Now while Peter wondered within himself what the vision which he had seen meant. He had the vision... He saw the word of wisdom. He heard the things that were spoken. But he's pondering, what does this mean? Behold, the men who had had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry at Simon's house, stood before him, stood before the gate. They called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. That's a word of knowledge. This is something that's already going on. And he, he didn't need to know. How many men were there? He gets down there, he already knows there's three. That's the word of knowledge. That's how it worked in there. But the word of wisdom, this is about things in the future, what God has called clean. Don't call unclean. And this was going to change things for how the, the New Testament church was going to deal with, with stuff. So it was important. Paul received a word that he would not, that he would be bound. Remember that the, over there visiting the Ephesians? Just kind of came near the city. But he didn't hear it as a warning not to go. He just prepared for what's ahead. So the warning came, whoever owns this belt, they will be bound. And the people all started to wail, oh, don't go, don't go. They're trying to avoid what the word of wisdom said is on the way. And Peter, and Paul said, no, don't be messing with all this crying and stuff. I'm going to go. All I know is the spirit tells me every place I go, this is what awaits. And he's still going. It was not to avoid it. It was to prepare for it. It was something bad. But something bad was not necessarily to be avoided. It was to be prepared for. In Acts chapter 27. Paul's revelation on how to survive the storm. Remember he. Let's just read that. Verse 21. But after long abstinence from food. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said. Men you should have listened to me. And not have sailed from Crete. And incurred this disaster and loss should not have listened to me. He said, I perceive that this voyage will end in great loss of life and cargo. He just perceived. He didn't have a word of wisdom. He just It was something in his spirit. He was perceiving that these things were going to be so. And he told them of such, but they didn't decide to listen to him. Now he says, you ought to listen to me. In other words, told you so. (laughs) And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of, of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying do not be afraid Paul you must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you take therefore take heart men for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me however we must run aground on a certain island and so he told him this is how it's going to be we're not going to lose anybody but now you got to listen to me and so he told them the things that they were supposed to do. Now later on, if you keep on reading in the story, you're going to find out that they were trying to put down the, uh, uh, the skiff and they were going to uh, make a run for it. And Paul said, get rid of that. No one's leaving this boat. So they just let it go and it fell down. Then they were going to try and kill some of the prisoners and said, you will not kill any prisoners. I told you, no one is going to die. And so they listened to that. But you see, now he had a word of wisdom. An angel came and told him, angel came down and said, "This is what's going on." and so he had faith in it and he operated according to what was told. No one will die. you're going to run aground on a certain island and this is what's going to happen. Now let's run the, wrap this thing up. God reveals his will, his plans and his purposes today, but as is usual, as usually the case, not all will hear. God will speak words of wisdom. He will tell you things that are to come for you to prepare. Or avoid. Now, not receiving the word does not put us in a place of not being responsible for what God said. You are still responsible. Just because I didn't receive it. Well, I heard that, but I don't receive that. I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh-uh. No, no. That doesn't mean you're not responsible for it. You are to be understanding. This came from God. You should know in your spirit. That's the voice of my father. I don't like what it said, but that's the voice of my father. How many of y'all know growing up, and your father spoke some things, you didn't always like the things that he said. But you know, that's the voice of my father. And uh, and you knew you are better off if you, you went along with those things. So in the past, what God revealed did not always look possible. In the past, just going through the, the things in the Word, what God revealed did not always look possible. Just like with the, the one with the, the Word about the uh, flower and the abundance that they would have. But as it happened, it was. I wrote down some other ones too. These aren't in your, your outline. It did not look like it was going to happen at all, but it did. You look at some of the prophecies and some of the things that Ezekiel said. People said, that's not going to happen. Some of the things that Jeremiah said, that's not going to happen. Some of the things that Joseph's, some of the things about Joseph's dream. Joseph dreamed his dream. What did his brother say? That's never going to happen. What did his father say? That's not going to happen. People will hear the word of God and they will say, that's not going to happen. But it did. It came from God. It wasn't the, the God will reveal it, but it's not always the popular opinion of the world or even with God's chosen. Do you know that some things, sometimes what God shares in a word of wisdom is not popular with his chosen people? As well as, you know the world's not going to take it, but sometimes his own people don't take it. But some, some will see it, some will hear it, and they'll stand up. Elijah on the mountain, he heard the word of God, he's standing there by himself. But he believed it. Moses in the wilderness, how many times is Moses there by himself? This is what God said, and they're all ready to kill him. But this is what God said, this is what we're going to do, and he did it. Just because it's not popular. Just because the world isn't on board. Just because people in the church don't like it. Does not mean it's not God. Many may not see the hand of God in it. But that doesn't mean God isn't. I'll give you some examples. Mary's pregnancy. How many people did not see the hand of God in that? And yet God was in it. The disciples spoke of Jesus' death. Jesus spoke the words of God. I will be killed. I will be dead. On the third day, I will rise. That was the word of God. God gave him that word of wisdom about what was coming. He spoke it out to people. And the disciples said, No. In fact, they were so disbelieving of this, they weren't even mindful of it after he did die. They came down to the tomb expecting to see him on the third day. And the angel there says, yo, it's the third day. Why are you here? He's not here. Of all things you people should know. This is not where he would be on the third day. He told you he would die. He'd be buried third day. Rise up. Why are you here? Hey, but those who heard Peter's vision of the sheep coming down, how many of you think, said, uh-uh, that's not God? No. God would not say anything like that. Eat that, eat the pig. How many of you are glad that God came down with the sheep? <laughs> Bacon was made for burgers. <laughs> and other things. It goes right, go well with eggs and, mm. But you couldn't have that that sheet didn't come down. <laughs> you, you all readily accept the Word of God now. Baking is good. <laughs> but you got to remember in Peter's day, baking is bad. That's what the unsaved people do. We don't do that sort of thing. And they, re, they refused it. It was the Word of God. It was a Word of wisdom. of What was to come? And they refused it. Just because people in the church refuse it does not mean it's not God. God's chosen may even be against it. But that's all right. Remember Moses at the burning bush? Moses was against what was said in the burning bush. Ananias was given a word to give to Paul. What was his response? -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. That's a bad word. That is not a good word. He wanted to avoid giving it. Well, he did. That is true. Remember when Jesus gave that teaching, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood? What happened to the people? They left. Jesus spoke of things future that his father had told him about. This is how it's going to be. And they couldn't hear it. And they left. They walked away. So we know about all these. We know about all these stories, but will you side with God when the word is difficult? Or will you walk away? Can you recognize his voice when a flood of opinions go against it? Sometimes that is hard for a lot of Christians. You remember Daniel? Hananiah? All those, all his buddies there? You remember when they, they faced things and it seemed like they were the only four who stood. And yet there are many other Jewish people there, many others, but it seemed like they were the only ones who were making the stand. As far as we can tell, there's only three who made the stand at the golden, golden uh, image. Daniel was probably traveling at the time or he would have been standing up. Somehow he wasn't there. There may be a flood of opinions that go against it. Some of them may be Christians, some of them may be worldly people. It doesn't mean that you aren't supposed to stand with it you're given the choice, will you stand boldly in the open or hide in a corner? Will you be like Daniel's buddies, stand up in the middle of the field? Here we are. Yeah, we're standing. It's us. We're standing. Are you going to go hide in the corner somewhere? Maybe they won't notice if I'm standing. No, they were out, right out there. When Daniel was put on trial, let's, let's test and see whether he'll still bow three times a day. What did he do? Well, we'll just play with the windows cl- closed now. No, open the windows like he always does. Look toward Jerusalem, and he prayed. And they came and got him. He didn't change. So we you stand boldly in the open, or hide in the corner? Will you cave completely and call the opinions of the world gods? You go through the book of Ezekiel like we did, you will find that many people that called themselves by the name of God accepted the opinions of the world and called those opinions gods? Will you be found to promote the things of the world or the things of God? The words of wisdom in the past have always had critics. There's always been scoffers, doubters. We will not escape that today. How likely is it that if we agree with the prevailing winds of the world that we are in agreement with God? How likely is it that if we agree with the prevailing winds of the world that we are in agreement with God? I'll put it to you this way. If Facebook doesn't fact check you, you may not have God's wisdom. They're fact checking all sorts of stuff. I want, I, it's a badge of honor for me. If I put up something and, and Facebook fact checks it, glory to God, I must be on the right, right onto something here. Because those are unsaved people. If those unsaved people can't recognize it as truth, more than likely I'm on the right, right path. Don't use them as a barometer. Don't ever use the world as a barometer. You use God as the barometer. If God says this is so, then it's so. I don't care who says it's not. More than likely you're going to see the world disagree with the things of God. If you, I put this in here, I'm going to read this for you because I want to make sure that you get this. If you are never shaken by a word of wisdom from God. You are probably closed to hearing what he says. If you are never shaken by a word of wisdom from God. You are probably closed to hearing what he says. How many people in the word of God were shaken when the word of God came? The the word of wisdom came. Was Mary shaken when it came? She was she was bothered a little bit at first. She got it. She eventually got herself okay with it. But in the beginning, uh uh How about the shepherds when the angels came and they declared the word of God? What happened to them? Come on, you've all watched the peanuts. They were sore afraid. How many times did Daniel get a word from the Lord about the future and he was left trembling, sometimes ill. He was very much shaken. How many times did Ezekiel talk about the times that he heard the word of God and it shook him? Not because he doubted it. It just it, just, it shook him. God will sometimes share words of wisdom and they will shake you to the core with the truth. <gasps> Is that so? And if not, then you're probably just not listening. Being shaken to the core doesn't mean that you're disobedient or you're in the wrong place. It just means that God is taking you on and you need to see this. How many times did John get shaken to the core of what he penned in the book of Revelation? We keep on going because there's others. What is what is untrue won't shake you when you recognize the deception. You see the deception, it won't shake you at all. I see that, that's a deceiver. But understand this, there are those who called Jesus and those who called Paul deceivers. The world and those still of it cannot recognize the wisdom that is from above. So I'm going to leave you with this two-word question. Can you? The world and those still of it cannot recognize the wisdom that is from above. Can you? If not, let me take you back to something a couple of weeks ago and we'll close with this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. It's not up on your screen. You should know it. Paul prayed for the Ephesians that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Pray that prayer for yourself. Because the first thing that you have to do when a word of wisdom comes, whether it comes to you or you hear it through someone else, the first thing that you have to do is to believe it. And in order for that to happen, you've got to know that it came from God. But words of wisdom are still spoken in this day. They are designed to shake you to the core. They will shock you at times with what they say. How can God do this? First time that John read the book of Revelation to somebody, how many of you think people were there? How can God do this? There's some things said today. Prophets will be be sharing words of wisdom. Like we said, it's very much involved in the, the ministry of the prophet. There's others, though, as well. Not only five-fold ministry. You're looking at people in just in the pews, just seeking after God. God will give you a word of wisdom. He will give you this for your life. He will give it for the people around you. He will speak to you of things that are to come. Some of it may shock you one of the best barometers to at least get your bearings. How does the world respond to this? If the world hates it, if the world's indifferent to it, that probably isn't too much... God doesn't say anything that the world is indifferent to. When God speaks, the world is mad. The world is angry. The world will do everything that it can to move that thing away. It will do everything it can to discredit that word It will do everything it can to tear down the people who brought that word. It will do everything it can to make it seem like that word is not coming about. The world will make all-out war on whatever word comes. Don't get in line with the forces against the word of God. That's the wrong side to be on. If you hear a word from God, from a prophet, from a minister, from just somebody in the body of Christ but in your spirit you say something's ringing true with me here then listen and pray Father God open up my eyes see there's some things I know from the that are God has shared a word of wisdom wise that the world does not want to accept I don't go around arguing with people I am not here to argue in the kingdom and I won't get there anyway if people don't want to believe it I just pick up and go to somebody else that's why. That's what Jesus did. An whole thing. What would Jesus do? <laughs> he'd get up and he'd move to somebody else. Let's try over here. Maybe the old one to listen. But the word of wisdom is out there. He will continue to speak it. I cut out a whole lot of places where this is going on. How many of you can think of a whole lot of places in the word of God that you know of right now that I did not touch on and the word of wisdom was there? And the word of knowledge was there. It's all over. If it's all over in the Old Testament, if it's all over in the New Testament, guess what, folks? It should be all over here. And it is probably far more common than we're led to believe. The words of God are not few and far between. Listen for them. Know the voice of your Father. Know the voice of the things that He says. Put faith with it. And understand that when a word of wisdom comes... It is either to help you prepare for something that is on the way. To avoid something that is on the way. Or to possibly prevent it from coming. Would you all stand up with me? Father, I thank you for the wisdom that we walk in. I thank you that you are growing us up to know the things of God. To know the voice of God. And that when you speak, we may not understand it. We may not even like it but we know that you spoke. And we will dwell on it. We will meditate on it. And we will declare it to be true. No matter who in our life doesn't accept it, doesn't like it, and throws us out. We'd rather be on the side of truth than on the side of being popular. As your word is spoken through your servants all over this world and we come upon these words I thank you that in our spirit we know the voice of our shepherd. and We will hear those voices. Sometimes that voice can be tainted a little bit by the vessel or we can per- persevere and go on through so that we can hear what it is that you have to say. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you'll make a commitment to pursue the words of wisdom that are given to his servants. That we would hear them, don't avoid them. If you avoid a word of wisdom that God has given to the body, you are still responsible for it. God does not care if you didn't hear it, if you didn't pursue it. I understand that. If you didn't pursue it, it was there, but you didn't pursue it. You're still responsible. Go after it. Find it. Father God, I thank you that you helped me to understand what is truth. Pray that prayer in Ephesians. The other two are good too. Colossians and Ephesians 3 are good too. But this one will help you in this area. Because the only way, if you have been bogged down with untruth, the only way that you can break through is by revelation that comes from God. How many can attest for that? How many have ever been bogged down by some untruth? Yeah, a couple of you have already know some of your stories. That untruth was there, but the revelation came. Go over to God. I don't know. Every Sunday, whatever, uh, whatever, whatever I'm teaching you all, it's just so much fun. I just have so much fun with you all. You guys just uh, you pull so many things out, and you have an interest in in these things. But like I said, I could spend another two weeks, easy. In, uh, in the Word of Wisdom. There's just so much to be learned from it. But uh, we're going to move on to to some of the other gifts and to check out some of those because all of them are supposed to be alive and well in the body and we should be pursuing them in your life. You can have the Word of Knowledge going on in your life. It should be happening so often that you're surprised when it doesn't. Brother Hagen used to talk about brother Brother Hagen, uh, Ken Jr. used to talk about this he tell these stories. He said, it was tough having Brother Hagan as your father. It was tough because they would be out doing something and he would know it. He would know it. They would come in from doing something they shouldn't have been doing and he's sitting there. What were you doing? Nothing? That's not true. <laughs> and he hit them up. I remember one story he told. Uh, they both got engaged around the same time. Uh, both he and his sister they got engaged around the same time, and, and God had already dealt with them about it and spoken to him about it and He says, "Now Pat got engaged to Buddy Harrison at the time, and he said uh, and Buddy was a rough he was rough, rough around the edges. If you ever know him, you saw him sanctified he was he was really rough when he got first born again, and he and God spoke, spoke to brother Higgins and says now he 's going to be good for Pat." But uh, Ken Jr. was engaged to somebody. He says, that's not good. And so um, I think, if I remember, it's 40 years since I heard the story. It's a long time. They don't tell the story much. But I, uh, it was Ken Jr. was telling the story. And he came on in and he said he was telling his, his father about this. And his father was telling him what God said. And it wasn't very favorable. So he's trying to di- he tried to divert it. And said, you know, Pat's engaged too. Because nobody had announced it. They both had not announced their engagements to their parents. You know, Pat's engaged too. He's trying to deflect it. And he said, I know. But that one's okay. (laughs) So he couldn't get anywhere. He said, it was tough with that. You can live life this way if you expect God to do this. But know the difference between presumption and a word of knowledge. Because one will get you in trouble and one will bless your socks off. Really help you out in life. Have a great rest of your day. Bless some people before you go.